0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: I, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., do solemnly swear
2: that I will faithfully execute that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States.
1: Office of President of the United States.
2: So help you, God. So help me, God. This is America's Day. This is democracy's day. We can see each other, not as
1: adversaries, but as neighbors. We can treat each other with dignity and respect.
2: Kamala Harris is now the first African-American and first Indian-American woman to become vice president.
1: So help me God. (laughs) I wish the new administration great luck and great success. I think they'll have great success. They have the foundation to do something really
2: spectacular. A peaceful transition of power in the capital city, local and federal officials met threats of attacks and violence with an unprecedented inaugural security presence.
1: Police patrol the Wisconsin Capitol with bomb sniffing dogs, while barricades and boarded up windows protect the seat of Wisconsin government.
2: Law enforcement, Capitol Police, the, the people they're collaborating and cooperating with are doing a phenomenal job at keeping us safe.
0: After a historic inauguration day jam-packed with security both in D.C. and here in the Badger State, we now have a new presidential administration. Today we're taking you through how it all unfolded and where things go from here. Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire here with my colleague Brian Polson. Hey, Brian.
2: Hi, Amanda. We are recording this on Thursday, January 21st, and we're here with Fox 6 political reporter Jason Calvi. Jason, welcome back again to Open Record. Great to be here. Thanks. So Jason, before we get to everything in D.C., you were actually covering security at the state Capitol here in Wisconsin. What was going on there and and how does that tie into the inauguration in Washington? So
1: we had the riots. We had the Capitol chaos on January 6th. And after that, we saw state capitals also starting to be on guard and, and on alert. There was you, know, there were boards put up at the state capitol in Madison. There, were this uh, this weekend we saw National Guard m- members out there protecting the state capitol. They were mobilized to protect the, the capitol, as well as their giant Humvees. That was on that was on Sunday. They were there. Uh, last week we saw the FBI director Christopher Wray. He came out. And said he was worried about online chatter, that there could have been potential violence and potential armed uh, armed protests at state capitals around the country. So that alert went out. We saw the Department of Administration here in Wisconsin telling staff to be vigilant and, if possible, to work from home. capital staff to work from home for the rest of the month even. We saw Capitol Police last week send a letter to lawmakers or send a memo to lawmakers in Wisconsin telling them to do things like make sure their doors at home are always locked, to if they get a package that they weren't expecting to really uh, investigate where that package came from. Is that something they were really intending to receive? I mean, all these security protocols that were put in place to protect the lawmakers in light of the chaos that we saw in Washington, D.C. And thankfully, it was a very, very peaceful week, a very, very peaceful time at the Capitol. I was there all day yesterday during when the inauguration was taking place in Washington, D.C. I was in Madison. And really, there weren't those armed protests, those large groups of people. They weren't there. It was very peaceful. It was very calm uh, as we had this transfer, peaceful transfer of power yesterday.
0: And Jason, I know even though you were in Madison as our political reporter, you were watching what happened in D.C. It looked like things stayed pretty quiet there as well, but it was definitely a a very different scene than we're used to seeing, not only because of the pandemic um, and the, the virtual aspects of this, but also because of the increased security in our nation's capital.
1: Right. I mean, it was unprecedented security. You saw barbed wire fencing huge uh, fences going up across uh, the the capital area. You saw 25,000 National Guards members from around the country, including 550 from Wisconsin, all descending on Washington D.C. to make sure that that inauguration was secure. You saw unprecedented security, and at the same time, as you mentioned, this is taking place during a pandemic. So. Where that national mall would have usually been flooded with tens of thousands of supporters of the new administration, it back, you know, it was President Trump or this time uh, President Biden, uh, those crowds just were not there. And the people that were invited, uh, lawmakers, members of Congress, our senators that were there, Uh, They were socially distanced. Uh, They they went through COVID screenings and and things like that. That also applied to the press as well. Uh, And it was very much spread out. The the chairs were spread out. People were wearing masks, except for those when they were speaking or when they were taking their oath of office, like President Biden as well as Vice President Kamala Harris. When they took the oath of office, they they took those masks off uh, for that special moment.
2: Obviously, uh, Bernie Sanders now is a meme that's all over the internet because <laughs> of some of that stuff with his sitting He's with his arms full of those mittens. That's right,
0: He's going to be I, a bobblehead. Yeah.
2: That's right. Our
1: Milwaukee Bobblehead Museum is going to be setting up uh, a, a Bernie Sanders with those with those mittens and his uh, warm Vermont clothes, <laughs> they're going to make that into a bobblehead. And I'm, I'm sure that'll sell well, just like they've done for uh, for conservatives in the past. They did one for uh, Justice Amy Coney Barrett as well. So I'm sure that the, that bobblehead will do very well.
2: The internet photoshoppers, they, they work awfully quickly. Uh, it's But but back to serious business, the, the the one thing I wonder about here is obviously, if you look back two weeks, the scene at, at the National Mall the, or the scene at the, at the Capitol, um it's very, very different from what we saw, obviously, on Inauguration Day. And the question is, why is that? Was it because of all of the security measures? Was it because of the National Guard? Was it because of, of the the negative fallout over what occurred two weeks earlier? What are you hearing is sort of being attributed to why yesterday came off with with none of the fears being realized that, that people had uh, some sort of a repeat or maybe something even bigger?
1: Well, I guess, you know, always be prepared. And I think what happened on January 6th was such a shock to the country. That it actually happened that that people were able to storm the Capitol. That was such a shock for 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 our lawmakers. I mean, this is the seat of American government, and the fact that they that those those protesters, those rioters, were able to break in to get into the Capitol, and uh, and you know some of them had zip ties, and, and others had had said they wanted to uh, you know they were talking about potentially hanging uh, Vice President Mike Pence at the time. Um, so. There was a lot of very serious worries. I mean, there was reporting that that the lawmakers, including the vice president at the time, uh, were seconds away from the from the people actually getting into the Senate chamber. So uh, there was a lot of worries about what happened, and, and they didn't want to take any chances. And of course, there was what the FBI director had said: there was online chatter, online chatter that was very concerning. So they're monitoring these things. And as he said last week, you know. It's all a possibility. And so they have to be prepared. They have to take the threat seriously as they have done You know, since 9-11. We've seen unprecedented security at airports and things like that uh, after the 9-11 attacks. And in the same way, that's what we saw at, at the Capitol in Washington, DC was sort of taking security to a whole new level to protect our lawmakers, to protect what is the peaceful transfer of power that is the hallmark of American democracy.
0: Of course, yesterday is not just about the inauguration itself. Biden uh, basically jumped right into it, signed several executive orders. He's signing more today, uh, many that would have to do with uh, COVID-19 vaccine distribution, uh, the COVID-19 prevention me- uh, prevention measures. And I think a lot of people here in Wisconsin are, are watching this really closely to see, okay, how will the next 100 days, which is kind of the the hallmark of a president setting the tone for his term, how will the next 100 days affect us here in the Badger State?
1: Right. So we're going to see things like uh, he's going to, he's directing FEMA to set up really quickly, set up these vaccination clinics. These, these, we're, we're a hundred across the country. So that would mean there, there probably would be some coming to Wisconsin, so that would speed up the distribution of vaccinations and and making sure that uh, that people are getting those shots. They want to um, you know speed up the the, the number uh, of of um, vaccinations and things like that, which has is, is been an issue. You know we're 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 on Fox six. We're tracking how Wisconsin has been really one of the slow, one of the worst when you look at the the per capita, the per 100,000 residents for the state. Uh, we've consistently, and I know Brian really tracks this number every day, but we've consistently been at the very, pretty much at the back of the pack for states in, in, that, in that metric. Uh, so will these sort of vaccination hubs really speed it up if, if Wisconsin gets several of them? And I'm sure you'll see um, you know, our lawmakers really pressing the administration to bring some of those to, to Wisconsin and to our area as well. Uh, you're also going to see the mask mandates. Um, so yesterday, on his first day in office, he mandated the masks on federal property. Now, what does this change for us in Wisconsin, right? We've already lived under a, a situation where the governor has a mandate in place uh, you know, for, for wearing the masks um, but this would apply to our federal properties in Wisconsin. So think of your, your VA, uh, think of that. But then he's also going to add on uh, the mask mandate for public transportation. So that would include uh, planes, trains, you know, buses, uh, inner city buses as well. Now, of course, if you take the bus, if, you, if you've been on a plane in the recent months, if you've been on the train, yes, they actually already are mandating the corporations, the companies are mandating that you wear a mask. Um, but this adds a whole new layer of it, because now it's actually not just the companies asking for it it's the the federal government that's asking for that and we've seen lawsuits uh, here in Wisconsin challenging the governor's mask mandates so will you know will uh, various groups try to challenge uh, uh, president biden's uh, mandates We'll see where that goes, but that'll be impacting us uh, at the at the state level. These vaccinations will uh, impact us at the state level. Uh, you know, there's going to be this huge COVID relief bill that the president is proposing. It's $1.9 trillion. That's going to be a huge issue for Congress to wrestle with because it would uh, it would also pump, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about those direct payments that have been in past COVID bills signed by President Trump where we, we various people got a couple hundred dollars, $600 in the last batch. Uh, this would be a $1,400 uh, direct payment in President Biden's plan. Uh, Will Republicans sign on to that? You've got the Senate now, which is a 50-50 split, 50 Republicans, 50 Democrats, and that means the Vice President, who is the President of the Senate, she will act. Kamala Harris, Vice President Harris, will serve as the tie-breaking vote but will they be able to get some Republicans to sign on to this COVID package? There's huge ramifications for all of our lives that we'll be watching over the next few days uh, in Washington, D.C. as this this all plays out nationally.
0: Well, and with the way power is divvied up, it's also going to be very hard for things to get out of committee now. So I think some people think, okay, we have a Democratic president, Democrat control of the House, and then Democrats have the tie-breaking vote in the Senate. But uh, as You know, Jason, it takes a lot more than that to pass legislation and to get legislation moving out of committee. And especially in the Senate, uh, that could prove to be an especially difficult challenge.
1: Yeah, and and the thing about the Senate we have to keep in mind is at least right now, for most legislation, it's going to require 60 votes. It, it, It takes 60 votes to overcome the legislative filibuster in the Senate. So it's not just that you need all 50 of your Democrats to sign on to one of these packages when we're talking about some of these big bills like immigration that the um, that the president is now proposing this pathway to citizenship for those who may not uh, have their their legal legal status in the United States. Uh, this would provide them an eight-year process to acquire uh, you know legal status in the United States. Under the current uh, threshold of 60 votes, they're going to need. Republicans to sign on to this proposal. Are they gonna be able to get them? Uh, it, it's gonna be a lot of negotiations. Now, of course, Democrats are debating whether they should go ahead and get rid of the filibuster. You know, This is something that is a Senate tradition, and, and that is a very traditional chamber. And every time uh, the other party is in power, from your party, you, you, you know that it's possible that they could get rid of the filibuster, but it's sort of one of those things right now that is a tradition. And uh, Republicans, I know when I was covering Congress, there were Republicans in the House that were urging McConnell when Republicans had full control of the House, the Senate and the White House. They were urging, at the time, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to get rid of the legislative filibuster, but he wouldn't. And now Democrats have control of the Senate, the House and the White House. Will they go ahead and get rid of the legislative filibuster which would make it a lot easier for them to pass some of these sweeping bills that they really want to see become law. Otherwise if it stays as it is right now they're going to need those 60 votes to pass most legislation.
2: Jason, this uh, particular transition of power comes at a time there are no major wars that the United States is embroiled in, really the biggest thing facing this administration. It's the only time in our lifetimes we've seen a transition of power in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, so obviously that is, is one of the biggest issues that's going to face President Biden going forward. But if you look at his inauguration speech, he mentioned the word vaccine zero times, pandemic twice, virus four times. But the word unity was used nine times. Obviously, that was a big theme of his inauguration speech, unifying the country. And there's no question that the past four years have been among the most divisive in this country in our lifetimes. Whenever you're uh, someone who's a fan of the winning side, it may well be easy to call for unity. If you're a fan of the losing side, it may not 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 feel quite as good. But certainly that was a message that the president uh, was trying to get across yesterday. Uh, How important is that message from President Biden? Uh, And and what are the odds, what are the chances that going forward we're going to see a country that is so bitterly divided actually uh, move somewhat toward uh, toward unity? again.
1: Yeah, I, I, it's it's so hard to really predict how this is all going to play out. We've had such an unprecedented year. That idea of unity, it's going to be challenged right away because you're going to see it's going to be a trial. There's going to be a, a, an impeachment trial in the United States Senate. Uh, it could be a days-long trial, it could be three days, or it could be three weeks, you know, like we've seen in the past. So um, it it's it's going to be that is going to put center stage this issue of uh, division, right? Because there's so many people that did vote for President Trump, and so many people that voted for Joe, that President Biden, and uh, you're going to see all these uh, issues be brought right to the center of. Uh, of Americans' uh, vision as they're watching the Senate debate whether to impeach uh, to convict President Trump of impeachable crimes. So that is uh, going to be a hard thing to overcome when you're trying to bring the country together to have that uh, impeachment trial take center stage really quickly here. Uh, the other thing is, you know, you look at those executive orders that President Biden took on day one. You, you see, you know, issues that are pretty controversial, whether it's the the border wall, which is uh, he, he wanted to stop construction of the border wall, you saw him re-entering the Paris Climate Agreement, you saw him stopping, revoking that permit for the Keystone Pipeline. These are all issues that uh, conservatives are gonna be very, very upset with. These are things that they praised President Trump for moving on, you know, re- removing the country from the Paris Climate Agreement, building that wall, uh, and, and, uh, and allowing the Keystone Pipeline to allow that, uh, that oil pipeline from Canada down to our Gulf Coast. Uh, that they said was going to create lots of jobs for United States as well as uh, to help uh, the economy and as well as the, our partner, partnership with Canada. So again, yes, he's striking this tone of unity, but there are going to be a lot of hurdles for him to overcome right now Uh, as Republicans are going to look at these sort of actions on day one and say, well, we're getting left out of here. All the things that they were pushing have been kind of uh, revoked here with the the measures I just mentioned. And then also this impeachment trial, which is, again, going to put the divisions on center stage for the United States.
0: Well, Jason, we know you have a busy day ahead, so we want to let you get to it. But thanks for joining us this morning. We are always happy to have you on.
2: Anytime. Thanks so much. Of course, we're going to continue bringing you these twice weekly episodes of Open Record as we cover the uh, new presidency, the new administration, the COVID-19 pandemic, reckless driving that hasn't gone away, police community relations, and so much more. If there's a topic you want us to discuss on Open Record, an issue you think we should investigate for Fox 6 News, please send us an email. Send those to fox6investigators at fox.com. That is fox6investigators at fox.com.
0: As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record. If you haven't done that already, you can find it wherever you do your podcast listening. With that, I'm Amanda St. Hilaire. And for Brian Polson, we will be back again on Tuesday.